Hello and welcome to the Human Condition Podcast on Resilience Radio. I'm Lee Hatcher. Think back to how you were feeling, what you were thinking, saying one year ago about COVID-19. I well remember one of our podcasts quoted headlines like catastrophic, unprecedented, traumatic, unpredictable, epidemic, pandemic. My, how things have changed, at least in Australia, at least for now. So, where are we now? Maybe we're in the space between. What next? How do we negotiate the next thing when we don't even know what it is? Is there room to actually grow during this time, to take up new opportunities? It's great to be back asking those questions and more and exploring the answers with Lynn Worsley, founder and director of the Resilience Centre. Lynn, so great to see you again. Great to see you too, Lee. Talk to me about the phrase, the space between. It's a term I've uh, never heard identified before, but I'd like to know what it especially means psychologically. It's used in a lot of different contexts and um, I think probably in a psychological term we use the term uh, transitions. So we might have the transitions from one space to the next in our life. So for example, you go from being a single person to a couple and there's a transition of having to get used to that. You go from being a couple to having a child and that's a big jump. Yes. Um, You go from a couple with one child to a couple with three, there's another big jump. So in those transitions, there is a space between. The space between when you're waiting for that to happen, the time where you've got used to the previous way and the new way has come in and the adjustment time becomes a time of turmoil. And amidst so much change for all of us and the world over the last year. So that's the transition stage. But there's another form of transition that we can talk about and this is called the liminal stage or liminal spaces. Never heard that one. No, no, this is a new concept. And the concept, well, actually, I don't think it's new. It's probably formed from the ancients years ago. But, you know, we start again and think about I've things that we just up. invented it. You yes. know. But the liminal spaces are spaces between when things were older that we knew and then there's nothing. Okay. Until we get to something new. What's happened is that we're actually very much in that liminal space at the moment. And the liminal space was pre-pandemic and we sort of thought we knew what was going on. We went through our normal life transitions. We went through our old ways of doing things and learned how to do new things in bits and pieces as we got older and did our normal stuff. But things have changed. With the pandemic, we've sort of put things on hold we're all waiting. Yes. The pandemic isn't over. No. In fact, in many countries, it's getting bigger and bigger. And worse. And worse. In Australia, we're just waiting. So when you're in a waiting place, the ancients, when I talk about ancients, I use a text from the 14th century called The Cloud of Unknowing. The author of that, which I'm sure is a woman, but anyway, the <laughs> author of that talks about going into this cloud and not knowing what's up not knowing what's down, not knowing what you believe in, not knowing even if you exist. I've been there in helicopters, actually, and it's a pretty pretty scary place to be. Yes. And so this cloud of unknowing, or we call it liminal space, is a, a time where you can't define yourself. You don't know what's to come. It's very difficult to navigate during this time because you're not quite sure what to do next. Yes. Amidst all the tragedy... 
it's probably a timely reminder of our true frailty in the human condition. I think so, yes, I think so. So there's a great deal that's different in our lives now, lots of change, and still lots of uncertainty about what's next, even the timing. Yeah, so what's different now is that the space between the pandemic and the potentially post-pandemic, which we're not there, is that we've had an era of intense global change. Yes. And we don't know what to do with it. So those of us who are creative, like yourself, you know, using a lot of digital work. I've had a great year, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. But those people who are not as creative are really struggling to find out what's going to work next. And even those of us who are creative are taking risks that can fall apart at any time. So it's not exciting risks. You know, sometimes, you know, being excited about coming up with a new idea. Yes comes with like oh yes a bit of enthusiasm but is an enthusiasm that goes oh it i'm hoping this might work you never know it might get shut down again as you're talking i think the one of the reasons why i've found it such a great year is that there's been the opportunity for change and refreshment and perhaps the thing i dread most is going back to the way it always was yes that's what i dread actually. however we're not going to ever go back to the way no, it always was no we're going to always be having to think through how to recreate the new. So in some ways, we've done incredibly well in Australia, Yeah. but it feels like we've been holding our breath. And you want to take a deep gasp after you've been holding your breath for a long time, but we're a little bit too scared to do that just yet. Yeah. So let's get personal. What would you say is the impact of all of this on us? I mean, one of them is certainly relief. But my guess is we're feeling much more than that, personally. Yeah, I think there's fear, deep fear. We see a lot of people with anxiety. Yes. um, But we always have seen a lot of people in the practice with anxiety, but the anxiety has changed. It's a different sort of anxiety. It's actually quite founded anxiety. Anxiety about, will I keep my job? Should I change my job? I'd like to do something new, but I don't think I can because you never know, it might... You know, I never know whether it's going to be a good thing going forward. Very real, very present. Yeah. We do have a lot more depression and loneliness because people are still in a level of isolation. Even though we're back on board and we're back to work and so on, there's still a loneliness that's quite strong as we had during the pandemic in Australia. Boredom. Many people travelled. Many people did a lot of things outside of their own backyard and they're traveling around Australia a bit more in Australia but there's a level of boredom that's coming through and I don't think the boredom is such a bad thing to be honest I think though people feel the boredom and see it more like a depression or oh you know I don't know what to do with myself I've lost my way why isn't it bad why isn't boredom well, more bad I think there's some positive aspects to being bored. Mm. Uh, There was actually a research study some years back on boredom and showing that sometimes when people are bored, they start thinking differently. Yes, yes. And when they think differently, they start to be creative and they start inventing new things. So boredom in itself is really helpful. So there's positive reactions that we've seen, particularly in Australia, People are starting to move around a bit. I've just come back from doing a little bit of a country jaunt. A little bit. Yes. Up Kosciuszko. Yes, just climbing a small mountain. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) But 
people are liking the slower pace. Some people are moving. I've loved that. Um, and moving into the country areas. Yes. So we've had property prices that are going up at the moment, but that's mainly because people are on the move, wanting to go to country areas because they can see that they can do that. People in Australia are falling in love with our country again. Yeah. So this is wonderful things. And the other aspect is that we're alerted to get our systems in order as old structures have been failing. The courage of Brittany Higgins is a really good example of that. I think that it's her ability to speak publicly is not a, in a coincidence that it's come at it's this time. It's interesting, yeah. It's time to change things and we've got permission to do that. So what are some of the things we can actually do or how can we shape our thinking as individuals during this time of space in between transition? I always think about uh, the aspect of resilience. Um, if you see everything as a threat, um, you'll shrink down and you'll go into yourself. Yes. If you see everything as an opportunity, you'll start thinking very differently about what to do with a time like this. So you know, what we really need to be doing in this space between, this liminal space, is grow. And in The Cloud of Unknowing, the ancient writer actually said that this is man's most potential for growth mm. individually. And so when we think about that cloud of unknowing, when we don't know whether we're up, down, who we are, whether we actually exist or not, it is a time of self-reflection. And that self-reflection means we can reach in and see who we are as people. And when we reach in and see who we are as people, we then can reach out in a much more authentic and compassionate way. Yes. Because what tends to happen at the moment or pre-pandemic was that we were so busy, we were just reaching out all the time and reaching out and meeting our needs quickly. Too busy. As a society. Yes. So to be able to slow down, grow in ourselves and reach in and see who am I and then reach out in a compassionate way does change society dramatically. It is also a time, just like we're getting the systems in order that we're not particularly enjoying in our society, it's time to get our inner turmoil in order. Okay. So when we've got inner turmoil, it's most obvious when there isn't things to sort of cover up or take our mind off our own woes. It's actually time to get our inner turmoil together. So it's also an opportunity for us to see what values we hold. You know, what is the very thing that we want to be known for? You know, is it as our success and the money we earn? Or is it essentially who we are as deep people and our souls? And that's why the recognition of the reality of our frailty is actually quite helpful. Oh, very much so. Yeah. You know, when we're busy, when we have so much things going on in our life, that blocks our growth personally. That's interesting. That's very interesting, yeah. And if we are so stimulated all the time, that also stops growth. If we're checking our phone and watching our Facebook posts and looking at our media and all that sort of stuff and we don't have time to self-reflect, there's no growth in that. Mm. So Richard Raw talks a little bit about the first half and second half of life. And the first half of life, he says, that you spend this time trying to create yourself and invent yourself and be in a role and understand what that role means and looking at our strengths and all that sort of stuff. Yes. And then it comes to the second half of life and you realise that none of that really matters anymore, that you, you don't want to build up something that's only going to come down. So who am I? Yes. Yeah. So quite often... 
the midlife is a time of self-reflection. Well, I'd like to say we've actually got this liminal space for everybody where it is like a midlife crisis for all stages of life. So even our children going through school are in this holding space. Mm. And that means there's more opportunity for them to be creative individuals, to know who they are without having to achieve and get the next best mark. Parker Palmer refers to this liminal space as being a place of great growth. And in that great growth, we have that potential of knowing who we are without our relationships and without our identity according to our careers and what we do. And that becomes a very threatening place, but it's very helpful to start thinking about, well, what are we doing with this space? And I think, too, you know, when I look at personality development, there's a huge amount in psychology on personality theory it is when the personality develops well it is in those times of stop think and reflect that we have in our lives and this is our opportunity during this liminal space you're listening to a human condition podcast with lynn worsley from the resilience center i think that word opportunity has been uppermost in my mind as I've lived through the last year. Amidst all the turmoil and upheaval and uncertainty, there have been so many opportunities for change for the better. Still, there remains much anxiety about the future. Here are some tips from Lynn on how we can best deal with that. I just advise people to set up a reflection time each day. If you can journal, journaling is wonderful. Some people don't like to write, like to draw. Get out some coloured pens and coloured pencils. You'd be surprised how much you do with an unlined piece of paper. Yes. Journal or read and think and journal, all of those things in a row. If you can go somewhere and do some walks and sit down with a journal and just reflect, that's really, really helpful. Mm. But ask some questions and I'll give you some questions, Lee, to think through Perhaps our listeners can start thinking through how they might journal these questions. First question is, how do I describe myself without referencing my relationships or my job? Yeah. You know, so when I think about me, I think, oh, I'm Lynn, you know. What do you I'm do? A, I'm, a, I'm a mother, I'm a sister, I, you know. And it's, oh, hang on a minute, I can't say that. Oh, um, um, I, I'm a psychologist. Oh, I can't say that. I can't say I'm a psychologist. Oh, okay. So who am I? Oh, mm. That's hard to answer the question. What kind of thing would you say about yourself without being too kind of deep and personal? I think I'd go to what I like about myself, I think. Okay. I think I'd say I'm a bright, bubbly person. Yes. That's without referencing my relationships. Um, but I, I think I'd go to I'm loved, which is real. And then I think about who I'm loved by, and that, that's relationships again, so come back again. <laughs> that's right. But it's really, yeah, that's you know, really hard to actually knuckle down and it's a really great experience to do that you may also find that comes up with some negative things okay and that's okay too yeah because we're all made up of negative and positive yeah um i think also there's another question that i like to ask is who am i when i'm not afraid so if deep fear is in you at the moment because you're in this liminal space we're in this holding pattern holding our breath too scared to take a deep breath who are you when you're not afraid what do you like and maybe you can be that person while we're sitting here waiting 
And then the last question that I think is really helpful, if I wasn't afraid, how would I face the unknown future differently? And there's a lot of research that we can draw on that in that those people who've been in holding patterns as prisoners of war, you know, those people who are in holding patterns where, you know, they're waiting for the rain to come. Yes, sometimes really long holding patterns. Yeah, that's right. And so if I wasn't afraid, how would I face that unknown future very differently? What would I do differently? How would you suggest? There's a time then of going, well, if the unknown future is going to hold my best hopes or something good, how would I like to be using the time now wisely? What would I like to look back on my life and go, oh, I did that while I was waiting? I've had this enduring sense that I just don't want to waste this time, actually. Mm. That's what's driven me. and That's, that's what's right. drawn me to the, the kind of opportunity word. In a minute, I want to drill down to um, some of your own personal reflections and actually the experiences of the centre. I thought of asking you about that over the past year. But can I ask this somewhat practical question? What can people do uh, if they're desperate to see one of the psychologists at the Resilience Centre and, and they're waiting for a cancellation? Look, if you're listening to this podcast while you're waiting to see a psychologist, um, perhaps having some of these reflections written down might actually help okay. your first session when you do get in. Uh, and that will mean that you can get to the deeper issues much earlier. Make the most of the time. Yeah, and, and it'll help you to reach where you want to get to yeah. in the sessions. And I also think, too, listening to different podcasts on our website yeah. is really helpful. Very good podcast, actually. Yeah, they yeah. are. Self-interest aside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other aspect is when you've come to your appointment, one of the best things to be able to have in your mind is what are you hoping will be happening if the appointment's helpful? Yes, okay. You know, not, not necessarily what are you hoping to tell the psychologist. Think about how would you hope that the psychology session will make a difference to your life. And that's a very big difference to yeah. just blurting it all out. Yeah, so think about when you walk out of the building after you've seen one of us, what would be different in your life and how would you be thinking and feeling differently because it was such a successful session? Great stuff. So as we begin to wind up, can I ask you personally and as the director of the centre, how do you reflect back on the last year? You, Lynn Worsley, maybe a couple of things that have changed shifted for, for you, but also the practice. I wonder what it's been like going through this here. For me personally, I think there's been some shifting. I've had also a transitional stage in my life. I've moved into grandparenting. You were just, yes. like I'm too young to be a nana. <laughs> that's now my, I that's am, my story. Now I am totally a nana. <laughs> so there's this sense of transition which would normally have occurred. Yeah. But the transition for me personally of having things like last year was very fast for me. I was doing a lot of digital work as well and a lot of webinars and podcasts and talks online. But I also think it slowed me down to go, do I really want to keep working at the pace that I am working? But at the same time, I really want to make a difference to help people. For me, I have studied formation. I've looked at how do we form as people? What's the transformational journey that we have in our lives? And in that study, I was supposed to have lots of retreats and none of them have occurred. So we've had online retreats, which have been absolutely 
gold. Great stuff. And so thinking through how to have opportunities of personal growth for myself has meant that I've been able to help other people start to begin to do that as well. Mm. So that's been helpful. What about the practice? How have things changed Oh, here? my goodness. The practice, as you know, for a while there we thought we were the best practice in the world because we were so busy, but when we asked our colleagues, everybody is busy. So it's not just the Resilience Centre. Yes. Many psychology practices are just frantic um, and have long waiting lists. Not surprising. And that's very distressing. So we've had a lot of like concern that people who we see or need to see us quickly haven't been able to. So as a practice, we have put our heads together as much as we can. We've done as many podcasts and webinars and, and the practitioners have, during the pandemic year um, for Sydney in particular, we did a... Um, a series of, you know, what are you doing when you're at home that keeps you buoyant? What are some donut or resilience yes. donut yeah. moments? But as a practice, we are expanding. We've taken on new ways of training. We're still doing lots of training. We're doing solution-focused training and online all over the place. We've also um, changed how we're doing our resilience training online and we have opened up new rooms. So the rooms that we've opened down the hall, we've now got more space for seeing more people uh, and we have now groups for teenagers who are struggling with their emotions and their parents behind the scenes struggling with managing their teenagers with strong emotions so we have those groups going on and that's been online for the parents while the kids are coming in and meeting face to face so we've been developing and putting our heads together to how do we actually meet the needs of people And I think one of the things that's coming out all the time is that what is really needed is more group work, more ability for people to connect in this liminal space to help to pick up on each other's creativity. Camaraderie. Camaraderie and also that sense that I'm not alone in this. I'm holding my breath, but so is that person next to me holding their breath and we can tap them their arm and say, you okay? And say, yeah, it's okay. We're all holding our breath at the moment. Great stuff. And it has been really good. So much change. There has been a lot of change. So many opportunities, actually. Opportunities. And and one of the things, too, we have done as a practice is um, brought in our tea ceremony at the end of the week. And I just recommend this for other people. Um, We have a little pot, a teapot on the table and a beautiful cup that was given to us from Open Doors. They're a great group. And they gave us this cup and a little verse about how to connect. So at the end of the week, you know, we'll come into the here, we'll pour a beautiful cup of chamomile tea and we'll just sit and share stories about what we're going to do on the weekend and how we've been able to do well during that week. And that's been lovely. Yeah. And having that sort of tea ceremony, you know, I think that's something that other people can do yeah. quite nicely. They're a great group. Any standout stories of clients you've seen? You've been Look, able to I, navigate this all well? the clients I see have standout stories. Yes, I bet. But I I can't actually give any names or too much details, of course. However, there's been one standout and this person has been studying and doing intense amount of study at the same time as their daughter has been doing the HSC, which has been also difficult. And both have finished at the same time. And so that meant they're going into a new phase, which would normally happen, yet... The 
liminal space, this holding pattern that we're in at the moment, has meant it's hard to know now what am I going to do with the study or what am I going to do going forward and and are they going to get okay in, in when they go to university and is the opportunities available and, and so on. What that has meant is that been this huge amount of busyness has then left with, oh, what now? I could fill the space with so many things, yes. but I'm too scared to fill the space with so many things because things might stop, I might stop growing. And so they've actually opted to doing some group things, enrolling in things that meant that they can connect with others instead of studying so deeply. And I think that is a really helpful example of thinking clearly I could jump straight in and do what I think I'm supposed to do and be filled with with stuff all over again or I can just take my time I'm holding my breath at the moment and now it's an opportunity to connect in different ways don't have to always rush don't have to always no. rush and this has been a wonderful conversation as always but um, such a timely one thank you so much indeed for joining us Thanks again for having me. You've been listening to another Human Condition podcast from the Resilience Centre. I'm Lee Hatcher. You'll find all of our other podcasts and so many great resources at the website www.theresiliencecentre.com.au.